0: everyone and thank you for joining church on the real real that's r-e-e-l as in the multi-platform broadcast r-e-a-l as in having a genuine conversation or true dialogue about faith-based issues i'm your host donna means this episode is called the triumphant disaster the title is intentionally oxymoronic to explain the events of holy week in this episode, we'll review the timeline of Holy Week events, starting with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem as a king on Palm Sunday. By Friday, Jesus would be arrested, tried, and crucified. Some of the same people who were celebrating him as Messiah and King on Sunday would call for his crucifixion in just a matter of days. It's a stark reminder of how fickle humans are and how power and influence can shift swiftly. Let us review the timeline of Holy week events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. On Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. The crowds shout Hosanna and lay palm branches on the ground before him. Monday, Jesus drives out the money changers and the merchants from the temple. Tuesday, Jesus debates with the Pharisees and Sadducees about various topics including taxes and the resurrection. He delivers the Olivet Discourse and predicting the the destruction of the temple and the end times. On Wednesday, he is anointed by the woman at the house of Simon the leper in Bethany. Judas Iscariot complains about the waste of expensive perfume. Then Thursday, Jesus shares the Passover meal with his disciples, instituting the sacrament of communion. He predicts his betrayal by Judas and his denial by Peter. He washes the feet of his disciples, delivers the farewell discourse teaching them about love and unity. Afterwards, they go to the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prays and is betrayed by Judas with a kiss. He is arrested and taken to the high priest's house for a trial. On Friday, Jesus is tried before Pilate and sentenced to be crucified. He is mocked and beaten by the Roman soldiers, then forced to carry his own cross to Golgotha. Jesus is crucified alongside two criminals and dies around 3 p.m. His body is taken down from the cross and placed in a tomb. Ironing is a literary or communication strategy in which what appears to be true on the surface really reveals a different Reality. Irony was most frequently utilized in dramatic, tragic plays in Greek culture. On the surface, the situation recounted in Mark 15 looks to be a catastrophic failure and an end to life. Jesus stands before his accusers providing no defense. He is sentenced to death, flogged, and nailed to a cross where he breathes his final breath. Ironically, there is a secret victory that serves as the backdrop of this heartbreaking picture. It is the beginning of an entirely new way of living. Jesus' crucifixion becomes the final victory of God's love. Mark chapter 15 verses 1 through 5 reads, very early in the morning, the chief Priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sahedron made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief of priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. The first verse. Many Mentions that the Sahedron, which was a Jewish council of religious leaders, responded to Jesus by delivering him to Pilate, the Roman governor for trial. The Sahedron had previously arrested Jesus and held a trial which they found him guilty of blasphemy, a crime punishable by death under Jewish law. Why did the Jewish leaders send Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor? The Romans had taken away the Jews' rights to inflict capital punishment. Therefore, in order for Jesus to be condemned to death, he had to be sentenced by a Roman leader. The Jewish leaders wanted Jesus to be executed on a cross. This method of death was believed to bring about a curse from God. They hope to persuade the people that Jesus was cursed, not blessed by God. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23 reads, You must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it that same day, because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. This verse is part of a larger context of. Mosaic Law, which provides detailed instructions for the Israelites on how to live according to God's will. In this case, the verse deals with the punishment of a criminal who has been put to death by hanging on a tree. The verse requires that the body of a criminal should not remain on a tree overnight, but should be buried the same day as the sight of the hanging body was considered a defilement of the land. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ was crucified on a wooden cross, which is considered a form of hanging. This has led some scholars to draw a connection between Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 23 and Jesus' crucifixion. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone who is hung on a tree paul seemed to be referencing the deuteronomy verse here and using it to explain the significance of jesus death on the cross in this interpretation jesus death on the cross represents a fulfillment of the old testament law as he took upon himself the curse of the law and redeemed humanity from it this interpretation is significant because it emphasizes the continuity the continuity between the old testament and the new testament and it shows how jesus death and resurrection were not a break from jewish tradition but a fulfillment of it pontus pilate was a roman governor who ruled judea from 26 a.d to 36 a.d and it is and he is best known for presiding over the trial and crucifixion of Jesus Christ during his tenure pilate pilate was known for his harsh treatment of jewish populate. pilate was known for his harsh treatment of the jewish population and disregard for their religious customs and traditions. His most controversial act was the trial and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The Jewish leaders despised Pilate, but they went to him for the favor of crucifying Jesus. Pilate could tell this was the setup. Why else would these people who despised him and the Roman Empire he represented wanted him to imprison and execute one of their fellow Jews for treason. Under pressure the Jewish leaders and the crowd, Pilate eventually consented. He was eventually recalled to Rome and his fate following his departure is uncertain but his name has since been synonymous with those who are willing to compromise their morals and principles for the sake of maintaining power. The title of king of the Jews, has deep religious and political significance for both Jesus' followers and his opponents. It was used to mock him during his lifetime and has been a source of mockery for Jews and Gentiles alike ever since. From a Christian perspective, The title emphasizes Jesus' role as the Messiah and Son of God, and his passion and crucifixion are seen as punishment for challenging political and religious structures of the time. However, it must also be acknowledged that the title has been used to incite anti-Semitic attitudes and actions in the past, and this should be carefully avoided. Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified in Mark chapter 15, verse 6 through 15. It reads, Now, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked pilate to do for them what he usually did do you want me to release to you the king of the jews asked pilate knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief had handed Jesus over to him, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crimes has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Barabbas was a notorious criminal and insurgent who had been imprisoned for his crimes. On the other hand, Jesus was an innocent man who had been falsely accused and unjustly sentenced to death. When Pilate presented the crowd with the choice of releasing either Jesus or Barabbas, he was essentially offering them a choice between two very different kinds of leaders. Barabbas was a violent revolutionary who sought to overthrow the Roman government through force, while Jesus preached a message. Message of love peace and forgiveness the unexpected release of Barabbas from prison foreshadows our forgiveness and freedoms in Jesus in several ways just as Barabbas was released from prison and spared from the punishment he deserved so too are we released from the penalty of our sins and given a new life in Christ the death and resurrection of Jesus provides the ultimate examples of forgiveness and redemption and through faith in him we are set free from bondage of sin and given eternal life Moreover, the release of Barabbas represented the substitutionary atonement that Jesus would provide. Barabbas was guilty and deserving of death, but Jesus took his place on the cross, dying for the sins of all people. Through the sacrificial death, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and secured our forgiveness and freedom. The crowd was most likely made up of supporters of the Jewish leaders, but there were the disciples and the people who had screamed Hosanna in the highest heavens days before. Because Jesus' supporters were scared of the Jewish leaders, they withdrew into hiding. Another hypothesis is that the crowd included many individuals who marched in on Palm Sunday parade, but turned against Jesus when they realized he would not be the earthly conqueror of their deliverance from Rome. Mark chapter 15 verses 16 through 20 reads, The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the Praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns, to crucify him. Mark wrote his gospel for a Roman audience and added key elements that we might overlook, but would have been obvious to his original audience. When Roman forces scored a major victory, and returned to Rome, they would march in a triumphant procession. Victorious generals would lead a parade through Rome's streets in a civic and religious celebration of the Roman Empire's power. Some generals even used the victory marches as a springboard to take Rome's crown and control the empire. Every Roman triumph march was well prepared and followed a consistent pattern. So let's compare the Roman triumph march with the crucifixion of Jesus as indicated in Mark chapter 15 verses 16 through 24. I have identified the pattern of the Roman triumph march and how it is very similar to what was followed in the crucifixion of Jesus. The first common trend is the march to Praetorium. Roman marches always begin at the Praetorium. The soldiers escorted Jesus to the palace, which was at the praetorium. Then they would get the entire cohort summoned and organized. In the same fashion, with Jesus, they summoned Together, all of the soldiers. The general would be dressed in purple, a regal hue forbidden to be worn by lower ranks. They dressed Jesus in the purple robe. The general was awarded a victor's crown. They twisted a crown of thorns and placed it on Jesus' head. Soldiers pledged their loyalty and posters or signs hailing the general's triumphs. In the case with Jesus, they put the crown of thorns on his head and repeatedly beat him with a baton on his head to deepen the penetration of the thorns into his head. They said, hail king of the Jews. And again, they would beat him on the head with a rod and spit on him and paid their respects by kneeling. The officials would lead the parade with a double-bladed axe followed by a sacrifice of a bull. They would lead Jesus out to be crucified and they had Simon who was passing by on his way from the country to carry the cross. The Roman march would go through the streets and they would arrive Capitoline Hill, the location of the head at Jupiter's temple. They led Jesus to the site named Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. In the Roman march, they would offer the general wine, but he would decline and spill it on the altar or on the bull. Similar fashion, they offered Jesus wine with myrrh, but he declined it. The bull would be slaughtered in the Roman march, and with Jesus, he was crucified. Mark chapter 15 verses 21 through 32 read, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexandra and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skulls. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him the written notice of the charge against him the king of the Jews they crucified two rebels with him one on his right and another on his left those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying so you are going to destroy the temple and built it in three days come down from the cross and save yourself in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked among them He saves others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross. That we may see and believe those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. There is several theories as to why Jesus was crucified at Golgotha. One theory is that it was a commonplace for executions to take place. As it was outside the city walls invisible to all who passed by. Another theory is that the same name comes from the aromatic word Golgotha which means the place of the skulls, and was so named because the site resembled a skull. From a theological perspective, Christians believe that Jesus was crucified at Golgotha as a fulfillment of prophecy and as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. The New Testament describes Jesus' death as a substitutionary atonement, meaning that he died in place of sinners to pay the penalty for their sins And to offer them salvation. The crucifixion of Jesus is therefore seen as a central event in Christian theology and is celebrated by Christians around the world on Good Friday. In Mark chapter 15 verses 22 through 24, it is recorded that Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh while he was being crucified. Myrrh was a bitter reason that was commonly used for medicinal purposes such as pain relief and anesthesia. There are different interpretations as to why Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh. Some scholars suggest that it was a gesture of mercy intended to dull the pain of the crucifixion. Others believe that it was an attempt to prolong Jesus' suffering by delaying his death, as myrrh was known to have a narcotic effect. However, the most accepted interpretation is that the wine mixed with myrrh was offered to Jesus as a gesture of mockery and humiliation. The Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus would often offer their victims wine mixed with myrrh to further degrade and humiliate them. In any case, Jesus refused to drink the wine mixed with myrrh as he was determined to experience the full extent of his suffering and to fulfill his mission on earth. The Roman punishment for rebellion was crucifixion. Only slaves or non-Roman citizens were permitted to be crucified. Jesus was Crucified, he would die as a rebel and a slave, not as a king. He came to be. This is exactly what Jewish religious leaders desired, and it's why they didn't just want to murder him; they also wanted to erase his teachings and his memory. Furthermore, crucifixion would place the blame for killing Jesus on the Romans. Jesus was nailed to a wooden cross and left to die of suffocation or other causes, over several hours or perhaps days. The physical The agony of crucifixion was horrific, as the weight of the body pressed down on the nails, producing tremendous anguish In the hands, feet, and limbs. Jesus would have also suffered from dehydration, exposure, and other physical injuries. But Jesus' death had far-reaching consequences. The crucifixion was also intended to act as a deterrent to anyone who might defy Roman rule. By being crucified in this matter, Jesus suffered not only physically, but also public humiliation and disgrace. Thus, the people who were passing by the scene mocked Jesus, saying, that if he truly was able to perform miracles he should save himself from the cross the chief priests and the scribes also mocked jesus saying that although he had saved others he could not save himself the other two criminals who were being crucified with jesus also insulted him the death of jesus mark chapter 15 verse 33 through 39 reads at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathini. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the Sertaran who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Many believe that when Jesus cries out, Saying, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, that Jesus may have been reciting Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm in the Hebrew Bible that describes the suffering and persecution of an innocent man who feels abandoned by God. It is believed by some Christians that this psalm foreshadows the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. In this psalm, the psalmist expresses feelings of abandonment by God, intense physical pain, and public shame. The psalmist also describes the mocking and ridicule of those who are witnessing his suffering. One of the most well-known verses in Psalm 22 is verse 1, which reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This verse is significant because it's also the cry that Jesus utters on the cross according to the gospel of Matthew and Mark. Furthermore, there are other parallels between the suffering described in Psalms twenty-two and the suffering that Jesus experiences on the cross. For example, in Psalm chapter 22, verse 16, the psalmist says, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This is similar to what is described in the Gospel of Matthew, where the soldiers divide Jesus' garments and cast lots for them. A heavy curtain placed in front of the most holy place, a temple area reserved by God for himself. The significance of the temple curtain tearing And two was likely symbolic of the new access that believers would have to God through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. In the Old Testament, the curtain or veil, in the temple separated the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was believed to dwell. From the rest of the temple, only the high priest was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies once a year to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. The tearing of the temple curtain in two at the moment of Jesus' death signified that access to God was no longer restricted to the high priest, but was now open to all who believed in Jesus. The tearing of the curtain from top to bottom also emphasizes that this was a divine act rather than a human one. In other words, Jesus' death on the cross removed the barrier between humanity and God, allowing anyone who believes in him to approach God directly without the need for an intermediary. This event is significant because it represents the fundamental shift in the way that believers could relate to God and points to the central importance of Jesus' sacrificial death in Christian theology. The accounts of the crucifixion in the four Gospels are similar in the basic details, but each Gospel writer includes different details that add to our understanding of the event. These differences also highlight the unique perspectives and purpose of each Gospel writer. Similarities. Jesus is arrested brought before religious authorities and then the Roman governor. The Roman governor, Ilate, finds no fault. In Jesus, but bows to the pressure of the religious leaders and orders Jesus to be crucified. Jesus is mocked, beaten, and given a crown of thorns before he is led away to be crucified. Jesus is crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem with two other criminals and he dies. There is a darkness that covers the land while Jesus is on the cross and he cries out to God before he dies. The differences Matthew includes the account of Judas Iscariot's betrayal of Jesus and his subsequent suicide. Luke includes the story about Jesus being brought before Herod before he is sent back to Pilate. John includes the account of Peter denying Jesus three times before the crucifixion. John also includes the details that Jesus was crucified with the sign above his head that read Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Mark and Matthew mention the of women watching the crucifixion from a distance while Luke and John named them and described their reactions in depth. in Christianity Jesus suffering and identification with humiliation and weakness are central to understanding the nature of God and the meaning of life and suffering Jesus who is believed to be both fully divine and fully human willingly took on human form and experienced the full range of human emotions including suffering and humiliation. Through his life, teaching, and ultimately his death and resurrection, Jesus demonstrates the importance of humility, compassion, and love. He showed that true greatness comes not from power, status, or wealth, but from serving others and sacrificing oneself for the greater good. Jesus' suffering and identification with weakness also provides comfort and hope for those who are suffering. Through his own experience, Jesus understands the pain and struggles of humanity and offers a way to find meaning and redemption amid suffering. Jesus' humility, suffering, and identification with weakness challenges us to re-examine our priorities and values, then embrace a life of service, compassion, and love for others. They remind us that we are not alone in our struggles and that there is hope and redemption even in the darkest moments of life. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross accomplished our redemption, justification, righteousness, and reconciliation with God, providing a way for us to have eternal life with him. Thank you for joining the conversation today. I encourage all of you to like, follow, share, and subscribe to all of the Church on the Real Real social media channels. On Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, the handle is Church on the Real Real. And on Twitter, it is Church on the Real, R-E-E-L. The email address is Donna at Church on the dot com. And the website, www.churchonarealreal.com. May the Lord be with you until we meet again. Peace.